Well, we're going to start a new series this morning. We're calling it Life's Toughest Questions. Um, if you wanted to start kind of making a list on life's toughest questions, you, you probably could go uh, 30, 40 questions deep on things that are, are difficult. And we've got about a four-week series to be able to walk through a few. Um, we want to be a little more existential in these questions. Uh, and so this week we're going to talk about uh, or ask the question of really what's the point in life? What's the point of life? What's your purpose, meaning in life? Next week we're going to talk about that question that we've all asked at some point or another, why does a good God allow so much pain and suffering in this world? And so that's where we're going the next couple of weeks uh, in this series as we walk through. Um, this morning, uh, I, I want to just kind of process through a scripture, uh, really two passages, but one that we mainly will be in. It comes from the book of Ephesians, uh, and it's Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 3 and read through 11. So if you'd like to turn to that and be ready, uh, you're welcome to. It will be on the screen for you, but there's something about engaging with the Word of God in your lap that's kind of cool as well. Um, plus, it's easier to write in your own Bible uh, if you want to take notes rather than write on the screen. Uh, that would be a problem if you did that. Um, we don't have any printed sermon notes this week. I thought about maybe doing a joke and asking, you know, if you, uh, if you didn't get it when you came in, slip up your hand and, and just saw what Pastor Anson in the back would have to do. Uh, but we don't actually have any, so I don't know where we would have gone with that joke. So I'm glad I left it out. All right, well, so we're going to talk about this issue of what's the point in uh, life? What's the point of life? And I would think uh, over the years, as I've processed the question of meaning and purpose in life, and as you have probably too, you've probably come up with or at least heard a ton of different answers in response to this. Can I just tell you, uh, from a Christian standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, maybe even from a uh, being in church and hearing sermons standpoint, we have said a lot of garbage on this subject over the years. And I this morning want to just be very simple to what I believe the Word of God shares about this point and this question. If this morning uh, you think we're going to walk out with like a concrete, like five-word slogan answer that you can put into play for the rest of your life, I'm not sure it comes across quite that simple. But I think the direction is quite simple uh, on answering this question. You see, from uh, often what we look at and we ask this question, what's the purpose of life? Uh, what's the purpose in my life? We think about it kind of very s- static, meaning we think it is one thing from the day I'm born to the day I die. It's this one clear thing throughout our lives. I want you to think about it a little bit more fluid this morning, that God leads us and guides us and speaks into us and calls us in different ways ways over the course of our life. Let me, let me share with you uh, what, what I mean. It, when we're trying to get into this, to the bottom of this question, I think it really centers down to this. What's going on in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh, now, I- this morning, you may be here and you're like, you know, I, I, I don't know that I even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm kind of checking this stuff out still to see where I'm at in all of this. You know, I want to talk to you as well this morning, and you'll see in just a few minutes. But it really comes down to where are you at in your relationship and your connection to Jesus Christ and where he's leading, calling you. You will understand this meaning, this purpose, the point of life from a different perspective and where you're at with Christ. So here's the first question overall. If I were to ask, what is 
the point of life? What is the purpose in life? If we were to go on the streets today and you were to just videotape a few people asking that question, I would guess you'd come up with a lot of different answers, right? You'd come up with a ton, a variety of different things that people might say. So what really would be the answer? Well, let me take you to kind of uh, back in your math days. Do you remember math at all in, in high school? I, I mean, I remember I was good at math. Like, I went all the way through the calculus, AP calculus, all that kind of stuff. Then I became a pastor. Um, and all we're concerned about is the big number on the page and the little number on the page. And then we tell you, <laughs> Leviticus 3.28. You know, uh, that's, that's it. But if you're ever out in a field... And you know the distance here and the distance here, and you're trying to figure out the distance this way, you start to, to remember, man, I should have paid attention a little bit more in math class. I know there was something, Pythagorean something, and I can't remember how it goes, um, but uh, there's some value um, in it. Well, let me just take you back for just a second. Do you remember the least common denominator? Do you remember how you tried to figure that out? You would take fractions. And I, I hope I don't have a math teacher here because I might blow this. All right. So, but you get like. You get like uh, one half, and you want to add to that, you know, like one fourth, and you want to know what the answer is. A simple equation like that, I think that's simple. Um, and in order to do it, like, I can't just add it straight, straight across. Like, uh, there's a least common denominator I've got to come up with, right? Have I already blown it? I got a teacher over here. No, I didn't blow it yet. Yeah. That's my math teacher. Could you step in the hall for a second? Uh, <laughs> So I'm trying to find my least common denominator, the denominator at the bottom, so I can put these things together. Um, If I were to tell you that I think this purpose in life question works very similar. Like if I were to say to you today or ask you the question, what is the least common denominator that would give me an answer to this purpose and meaning in life? People might say things like this. They might say, hey, you know, it's really... To really have a good job and career, like that's one of the purpose and meaning of life. Good job and a good career. And that sounds, I mean, that sounds good, right? I mean, we, we pursue that. We, we go to colleges or we go to tech schools or we go to training programs or we search, you know, and we ask ourselves, what am I like? You know, how am I wired and what should I get into? We do all those kind of things. We'll spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to actually learn our path and career in life because we want to get a good job and a good career there. So does that fit into this purpose and meaning of life? Um, Have you ever had like a total dead-end job? We're in, I mean, right, some of you are right, yeah, that's me right now. That's not the full question. Uh, A dead-end job where God has said, you need to stay right where you're at. You just need to trust me and stay right where you're at. And let me, like some of you could stand up and you would share your testimony of how God has guided and worked you through. My staff should not be raising their hands right now. So, all right? Uh, But God is guiding you through it, maybe teaching you something or transforming you into something. And he said, just stay right where you're at, right? I'm not sure it's the least common denominator. Uh, Some of us would say, hey, uh, it's family, you know? Kids, we might even throw a Bible verse, you know, in. We're back from Genesis. We're supposed to populate the earth, you know, that. that. And so it's family. It's kids. It's, that's a purpose and a meaning of life. If you went to the streets right now and asked the question, I guarantee somebody would say this answer. But, but let's talk about that least common denominator. Uh, would we say God has called every single person to be a parent, to have kids? 
Uh, it, it, it didn't seem that work with, with some of our prominent Bible characters, even, who evangelized and went out. Uh, what about the mom that we're speaking to who can't have kids? That's her heart's desire, but they can't have kids. A family that's tried several different ways and it just hasn't happened. Uh, can we claim that as a least common denominator? I don't know that that works out if we truly look across the board. How about happiness? I mean, of course, somebody is going to say, hey, it's just a fine... I get a little nervous about the longer words. Uh, we, somebody would say, well, it's happiness. I'm finding happiness, finding joy in life. That's really the least common denominator. Have you ever been through like a horribly dark time in your life? I mean, have you ever been to a time where like, you're like, this, this is the pits. I mean, this is the worst walking through it. Two years down the road, three years, five years down the road, you're like, I'm so glad God took me through that. He transformed me. He shaped me. I would not want to go back and live it, not a single moment of it. But God used that time in my life. I'm not sure just to find happiness is that. What is that even? How fleeting is happiness for many of us? The desire, the drive, the pursuit to obtain something and then you obtain that thing and you enjoy it for just a few days? Uh, what's the adage? The happiest day in the life of some men is the day they buy their boat. And the second happiest day in the life of that man is the day they sell that boat. <laughs> Get That's life sometimes, right? The pursuit. And we equate it to happiness. What is that common denominator? Like what is that thing I could look upon you and say for every single one of us, I could say without a shadow of a doubt that this is your purpose, this is your meaning, this is a point of life for you. I'm not sure any of the easy jump to answers quite work that way. Uh, so we need to look at it from a different perspective in a different way. In fact, uh, if we're not careful, this is how we almost always look at this question from a very me and almost selfish perspective. As in, the purpose and meaning of life has to do with something that comes this way, towards me, for me, for me to have, for me to own, or in our American mindset, for me to possess. We might need to look at it from a different perspective this morning. Because as I read God's Word, one thing I find for sure, and I think you would agree with this, that we're never going to find meaning and purpose in life in things. We'll never find it in things. In fact, if you go back to the, the, at the very beginning when God created, like God didn't design us and create us to where we find our joy and satisfaction in things. In fact, there was one thing God says, I don't want you to possess. And Adam and Eve went hard to possess that. Now, Satan was there. There was some deception, obviously. But there was that desire to possess something. And it went south, and it went south in a hurry. We never find our meaning and purpose in things we possess. But come on, if we're honest, I mean, let's be honest, right? We strive almost every single day to possess things. Almost every day are we processing, thinking, strategizing, planning, working, you know, sometimes working ourselves, you know, just crazy work for things often. But we're never going to find that. It's never in accumulation at all. 
So we need to look at this passage and see what is it? How does God speak to us on this subject? Ephesians chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 1, we'll start in verse 3 if you have your Bibles this morning. I want to just read some of this and then we'll process and talk about it. It says this, all praise to God. This is Paul writing, if you remember the Apostle Paul. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Listen to this. Even before he made the world, you understand the timeline? Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I mean, do you know how many times in life, like, something has happened where I've had to take the second choice or the third choice in things? You know, like, you show up to the restaurant, and you're like, I would love to have that steak. Oh, sir, we're out of steak tonight. All right, give me the pork chops. Um, But what does God say in this passage? He says, before the world was made, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Before the world was made. God loved us and chose us. Here's my contention for you this morning to to start off in this. You will never understand your purpose, your meaning, your point of life without understanding the love God has for you. Like, Like you can't even comprehend where God would want to lead you in life and what God would have you and the fulfillment he would have you in life if you don't understand his love that he has for you. And right now, I had 15, 20-year-old Christians here, right? Uh, Those of you who have been Christians that long, and immediately you check out when I say that because you say, well, I I get that. I know God's love. I I get it. Do you understand the depth of God's love for you? Let's look at it this way. Um, Yesterday, uh, my friend Jeff, he's a fairly new friend guy I met at the gym. He brought his little newborn baby, tiny little thing, right, to the gym for the first time and and hung out there at the gym. Not only could you see that Jeff was beaming the whole time, uh, but he used his words to express his excitement. Later on, he posted on Facebook and he said this was her, her first trip to the gym this morning for his little one. And she loved it. She's looking forward to coming back. Now, what would you say? I mean, if you wanted to just be like straight, you know, uh, real here, you'd go like, that baby has no clue where she's even at. What are you talking about? That doesn't know what a gym is. Probably smelled, you know, what was going on. But I mean, that baby doesn't have any clue about gym or liked it or community. Did the baby speak to you and say, "What, what are we finding? Jeff is speaking his love for his child. Love. I've told you many times, but I want to say it again. You can go into the hospital, if you're pregnant, to have your baby, right? And you've never seen this child other than some, I mean, let's face it, some of those are kind of gross images that you look at, all right? You've never seen this child before, but the moment that child pops out, you love that child like crazy, crazy. Now, I mean, I say, hey, I'm a mom. I carried that child as part of, okay, great. Well, what about dad next to you? Same thing. I can, I can attest three times over. The love I have for that child immediately. And then there you are in the viewing window looking at your child next to two other children. You could care less about those other children, right? Right? I mean, who cares? Some other kid. But that's my child. And if we want to believe the Word of God to be accurate, as we do at this church, we read this passage, and God says, look, you and you and you and you, that's how I love you. 
Like that, I'm crazy for you that way. I mean, do you, do you understand that you have a heavenly father who created you, designed you, sends you into the world? It gives you like, like Pastor Leslie spoke of earlier, free will probably freaks God out that you have the, the freedom to choose or even to reject him. Crazy, crazy love for you. We'll never understand our purpose in life without knowing that love and understanding that love's there for us. I mean, we seek it in human relationships all the time. In fact, we seek it so much in human relationship that at times, if we're not careful, unchecked, we actually can destroy parts of our life because we're craving and seeking that love. And all the time, this Heavenly Father is saying, I got it for you. I got it for you. Now, that doesn't take away that he doesn't want us to have deep community and love with one another. We're going to talk about that later. But to understand the starting point, as this passage says, is his deep, incredible love for us. Listen, if you're sitting here this morning, and that's just a foreign concept, or you're sitting here this morning and you've heard that message for 20 years of your Christian life, but it's never sunk in, and it's never just like, like almost wrecked you that you're loved that much— could you reconsider this morning investigating what God says about love in his word? You can do a simple word search. I mean, just search the Bible, the word love. Throw it in Google. You'll find plenty of reading to understand what God thinks about you. So I want to say, if you're here this morning and you don't quite understand that, you haven't embraced and received the love God has for you, this, I think, is God's purpose for you. His point for you, his pursuit for you this morning is to understand that love. Because you can't go forward in his purpose and meaning in your life unless you understand that. And so my, my charge for you this morning, if you're in that situation, is, is understand, pursue, take a journey to, to figure out that love God has. Let's take a look uh, elsewhere in this passage. If you, you want to go back to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 5 here, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That's you and I. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on those who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on his, on us, excuse me, along with all wisdom and understanding. Do you understand what the second part is saying? He so loved you, so loved you. He decided to make a way for this great relationship with you as well. Like he recognized that our free will, our ability to, to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to reject you in your ways, God, actually caused a problem in our relationship. It's not super hard theologically to understand that. Uh, if you're a parent, you might understand very clearly when our, parent, when our kids might disobey us or, or they might uh, do something. The love never goes away, nor does God's. But the relationship can be uprooted, sometimes just for a moment till, you know, you kind of work it out. Sadly, for many people, sometimes for years and decades even, they can have that brokenness. God, it says here, like he loved us so much 
that he gave us, it, the, the writer actually calls it his glorious grace, as if the word grace wasn't even enough. He wants to make sure you understand his glorious grace he gives to us. And it says that he forgave us. I forgive you. It's okay. We've got a rule in our family. Like if our kids come to us and seek forgiveness on some, hey, dad, I'm sorry I did this. Or if we go to our kids, uh, which is equally as important as a parent and say, hey, you know, hey, son, daughter, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't actually call them son, daughter. Yeah, they have names. But I say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. We have a rule in our family. You can't come back and say, that's okay. Because you know what? It's not. It's not okay. It was never okay. You come back and say, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You know what God is saying here? God is saying, look, I forgive you. I'll forgive you. Every moment you rejected me, I forgive you that. It says, out of his glorious grace, out of his kindness that showered on us. This is what we learn in this section of the passage, that there is this amazing gift that God is giving us. Like, like he's handing out to us his grace. And many times you hear me say it this way, his grace, his peace, and his redemption. He is handing to us. And this passage uses those words exact. It gives us his grace. And then he says how he did it. Because he sent his son. And he said, I sent my son. My son shed his blood. And through that, I forgave you. And at the very beginning of this passage, it actually says that that he chose us there to have no fault in his eyes. Meaning that when his son died, when that blood was shed, when we're given forgiveness, God looks on us with no fault. No fault at all. Now my mom, still to this day, 30 years later, jokes about me backing out of the driveway and taking off the rearview mirror of our family car uh, on the way off. And then, uh, uh, pre-Christian days, okay, um, then I went to the car wash, and I went through the car wash, and I tried to blame the car wash that this had fallen off. Uh, There had been kind of a bad glue-up job that I had done myself uh, for the mirror. Um, But my mom will still joke about that today, you know, if I'm backing out. Even if I'm not backing out of a garage, she'll say something like, hey, be careful of the mirrors. But what if my mom was not joking Like, I mean, what if she was serious every time? I mean, what if she was just literally freaked out? Tom, watch the mirror. I'm like, gosh, mom, goodness gracious, this is 30 years ago. You know what God says here? I don't look at you that way, ever. Forgive you. There's no fault when I look at you because of what my son has done. Listen, if you're here this morning and you've never embraced the forgiveness of Christ— if you've never embraced what Jesus did on the cross, that any time you rejected God, any time you said, God, you know, I got my own ways, forget you, I'll go this way, that's your purpose. That's, that's your meaning, and that's the point of your life right now is to embrace that forgiveness, to embrace that. If you're a Christian, listen, if you're sitting here and you're a Christian, and you're like, look, I had a salvation experience. I said yes to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit come into my life, be the Lord of my life. You know, that was my moment. I remember it. I've been a Christian. I've been coming to church. And you're still holding on to the blame of something? God is saying to you this morning, just understand, it's not coming from me, God is saying. I look at you with no fault. No fault. Should you have done better? Maybe. But I look at you with no fault. 
Was something done horribly to you? Let me heal you. Bring you up. I look at you pure, is the way God is saying, because of the forgiveness and the grace that he gives. If that's you this morning, whether you haven't said yes to Jesus Christ or whether you have, but you've never let him view you as faultless and you're still holding on to something you might have done, that's your, that's your purpose this morning. That's what God is driving you to in life, is to surrender that. That's where it's at for you today. Final thing I want to look at at the end of this passage, if you want to keep, keep reading with me, it's in, uh, uh, we'll start in verse 9. God has now revealed his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we were united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work according to his plan. So the passage is letting us know, hey, you know, there is an end game here. Like there's a day when, where Christ will bring everything together in heaven and earth. Like there's an end, and it's coming one day. And on that day, there's this great inheritance for everyone. Uh, living or dead, there's this great inheritance, this life eternal that is talked about in other, other books of the Bible, specifically John, uh, uh, the book of John. And that day is coming. Like, there's this plan from now to that day. Uh, that day is coming. It's in front of us, and Christ will reign over it all, heaven and on earth, and will come in line. Do you understand what that means? That would mean like right now, Christ doesn't have full reign on this earth. He can have reign in your life. If you're willing to surrender your life to him, as we've been talking about, he can have reign in your life. And you can be a dramatic influence in your world. But there's coming a day when he will have full reign, is what God's word is saying to us. And in that day, there's an inheritance for all those who have received what he has to offer, as this passage has taught us already. So I wonder, what do I do from now to then? What do I do? I can, if I'd like, I can just sit back and, and just kind of play nice suburban life. You know, worry about remodeling my kitchen and, and getting on my vacations and, and those type of things. But when I look at God's word and I look at this time period, I say, no, there's, there's a plan and, and now for my life, if I have said yes to Christ, if I embraced what he has to offer me, I know I'm forgiven and I'm free. You know what he says? Now I want you to go live it out. I want you to go live it out. I want you to love other people. And I want in that love, I want you to show other people what I have to offer their life as well. And so we're sent out on this plan. And if you're that, there this morning, if you're like, hey, I understand those first two things you talked about. I mean, that's where I'm at. I've received that. This morning, it might very well be what God is saying. Hey, your purpose and your meaning of life is now carry out my plan and to go serve and love others. I was reading a lot of the excerpts of what, what went on yesterday in Charlottesville. And some of the most disturbing to me things that I read were the ones that those who were claiming and, and yelling racist remarks were using God's word and God's name to back up. Those are troubling to me. 
Because as I read God's word and I read something like this, I see you know, God has loved us. He's embraced us. God has said, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've rejected me, I'm willing to forgive you, welcome you in through my grace. And he even says his kindness. How then would he ever turn me loose in his plan, as he talks about here, to do anything that wasn't the same as what he's done for me? That's his plan for us. Now to turn around and to love people, to care for people, to carry out his plan. But listen, that's not the end game. The end game is so they will have the opportunity to know Jesus Christ as well. And this morning, it may be for you, your, your purpose, what you've been neglecting as the point of your life at this point, if, you, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've solidified that path and that, where you're at in life, maybe what you've neglected is saying, man, my purpose now, it needs to be to carry out the plan of Jesus to go love people, to tell people about Jesus, to open up that avenue where they, they might, there might be a way I can be a blessing to them in the name of the Lord, the same way that God has constantly been a blessing to us. And can I tell you right now, if you're a Christian, and on this third point, like, you've not latched onto this, you've, not, you've neglected this, I, I'm telling you this morning, we'd be missing the mark of what God would have us for the fullness, the satisfaction, the fulfillment that we'd find in our lives, working hand in hand with God towards his plan of loving everyone and drawing everyone to himself. So we could leave it to God. Hey, God, make it happen. I guess use your Holy Spirit to speak to people. You know, use nature, great settings sometimes. Maybe God buy a few billboards and put together some clever ads. Um, Or we can follow God's plan in his word to say, you, I, let's go out and make it happen. Let's go love people. Let's go embrace people. Let's bless people. And let's earn the right platform to share with them about who Jesus Christ is. Because, you know, there's a lot of perceptions about Jesus Christ that are way off base in God's word. And even sometimes us as Christians has helped get people off base. And so let's recommit to what God would have for us and how God would have us love people the same way he's loved us. And so this morning, if that's you, this third one, if that's your camp, I invite you, you join us. Join in with those who have made this plan part of their life. And start right now just letting the names rattle through your head of who you can love and embrace even this week, maybe even today. Well, let me pray for you in, in this area, and then, um, and then I want to transition into uh, a couple other things that we have afterwards, and I'll share those in just a second. So would you bow and, and pray with me? Father, this morning, um, I believe that probably, um, oh, I guess, Lord, I'm pretty relationally connected with most people here, and I just know there's some people in here that have never said yes to you. They've never, like, They've never said, like, this is the day I know I'm claiming Jesus is the Lord of my life. And as far as common denominators, Lord, that's the least common denominator in your word to becoming a Christian, to claim Jesus is the Lord. The Lord will from now on be the leader where I look to for my life. If that's you this morning and you're just ready, you're ready to say, I'm going to claim Jesus as the Lord of my life. 
that, that's his direction. I don't understand everything. I hardly even know anything in the Bible. That's fine. But you're ready to claim Jesus as the Lord of your life. You can in your heart pray something. You can pray this verbatim or something similar. Lord, I know that you're the way. Lord, forgive me of all the times I've rejected you and tried to go my own path. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life. I commit to you. Pray that right there. And heartfelt in an instant, you're a child of God. He's been pursuing you up till now. The Word just told us that. He loved you before you were ever created. In fact, He loved you before the world was created. Maybe you have that testimony, you've done that at some point in your life, but today, like, you're still holding on to and gripping these hurts and pains in your life. Maybe some of them you even caused, like, like you were at fault. And God is looking now on you and saying, look, I forgive you. I'm not looking at you as, like you're at fault any longer. In another place, Paul writes, there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. If that's you, I just want to ask this morning, release. Let go to God. Just release it. There's been no value holding on to it for you at all. And I realize the words are simple and doing it is hard. No, that's my prayer and my ask of you this morning. And then for those of you who you are like, I, I found the freedom in Christ. It's been awesome. I'm a totally different person than I used to be. I owe it all to Christ. If in any way this morning God has sparked you or called you or spoke to you and just said, hey, now it's time to get out and just charge into life. Love the people. Bless the people around you. Build relationships with anyone. Build relationships with anyone next to you in your office or at your work or at your hobby. Anyone. If they're nothing like you, if they actually believe in things that are fundamentally opposed to what you believe, build a relationship. Build a way to love them. Build a way to speak the name of Jesus Christ into them. How amazing would it be if all of us committed to that, if one day we stood up and we just said, let me tell you the testimony of this person sitting next to me that came to know Jesus starts with our relationship and our love for them. God uses those as tools. And one day down the road, they will have the chance, like we spoke of earlier, free will to say yes, to say no. And we're going to pray for the yes. Father, bless our efforts. Thank you that you go before us and lead us and you're the one empowering us. We don't even have to walk in our own strength. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, next week, uh, it'll be a weighty topic talking about this issue of pain and suffering and why does God allow it? Why is it even in the world to begin with? And so we're going we're gonna to walk through that. So I'd encourage you, to, obviously being here yourself, but these are just great topics over the next three weeks to bring somebody along, invite somebody uh, close to you to sit and, and be a part of this. Hey, we're going to take our, our morning offering. Uh, our ushers are going to come through. And while they're doing that— um,
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and ask Steve, well, let's go ahead and show the first video we have of the, the property. So take a look at this. It's about a one-minute video as they're taking that. And then I want to walk you through a little bit of building information that you need to know. All right. So I, I told you a couple of weeks or last week that uh, we actually had the date of when the completion of construction will. Now, this is a target date, of course, so, you know, weather could change things and, and that type of thing um, as well. And really, besides uh, kind of our, our, our financial uh, agency that we've been working with, I'm not sure anybody has met a deadline uh, in the last year and a half. So, um, so take a little grain of salt, but this is the target. This is what we're working for. And that date is November 8th. Uh, for the completion date. So yeah, you can give some props to that. Yeah, definitely. So um, I want you to know, uh, they told me that date November 8th um, last, a week ago Friday. So I knew a couple days before last Sunday. Um, and the, right when I found out, I mean, I was like jacked. I was pumped and uh, was excited. It took about to about the time I laid down in bed about 1130 that night before I, it turned into a little bit of panic. Um, when I started to process through all that needs to happen, for uh, us to move in this, whatever the Sunday is after the 8th. Um, and so I want to just walk you through a little bit uh, for the next just five minutes or so, just kind of where we're at on that. And uh, this is going to take, this is one of those